I've always been inspired when I've had the opportunity to visit Washington, D.C., the, the seat of our country's government. There are a lot of inspiring physical edifices. There is the Washington Monument, the Lincoln, the Jefferson, the King Memorials, the White House, Supreme Court Building, Capitol Hill, architectural witnesses to the yet to be fulfilled of this dream that gave birth to our nation. They inspire hope that we will continue to seek to accomplish the promise of liberty and justice for all, a vision, a hope, a prayer for our homeland. Psalm 48 celebrates architecture as well. Mount Zion, the city belonging to our God, the joy of the whole world. That architecture inspires a vision of what God has for the whole world. God's purpose, God's intent for us, our nation and every nation, inspires us to become what we are yet to be. It's interesting the psalmist moves from observing architecture to declaring God is in its fortifications. God is present. Walking around the city, the psalmist seems inspired to declare this is God, our God, for the whole world. The psalm resonates with hope and promise of a vision also yet to be fulfilled. A homeland that we love, a home in God's care. Revelation 21:25. there John envisions a city where all nations will be welcome. The gates will never be shut, open to all, and all means all. And that's why faithful disciples from generation to generation, as we will do today, seeing we're marching to Zion. Come, we that love the Lord and let our joys be known, join in a song of sweet accord, and thus surround the throne. But, as the timeless band the Eagles proclaim in one of their CDs, it's a long road out of Eden. The journey to Zion is not easy, even for Jesus, as we discover in this morning's gospel reading. Sooner or later, we who are disciples discover that the purposes of God don't always find a place in this damaged world we live in. Jesus tells us sometimes it's hard to find your way home. He ran into, wait for it, adversaries, interruptions, resistance, even in his hometown. And there are two lessons here, two paragraphs really in this gospel lesson. In the first one, Jesus comes to his hometown and, and his initial mission seems to be a failure. And Jesus responds to that and moves on. And ministry happens. Um, home. 
there's a natural pull towards home. Like those birds who baffle scientists with their ability to fly hundreds of miles back to their home. Or salmon who swim upstream for miles and miles to their spawning grounds to get home. Robert Frost said in The Death of a Hired Man, home is the place where when you go there, they have to take you in. Or do they? (laughs) Jesus went home. He says his hometown in our gospel text today. There did not seem to be a lot of taking in going on. Things had changed. Jesus had changed from the boy who grew up there. The town had changed. The community had changed. I grew up just across the river on a little side street uh, in North Highlands called Curry Place. It was a wonderful place to grow up. Um, Lots of kids. It was a steep hill. You could ride our flexis down. If you don't know where the flexi is, talk to me later. Um, Wonderful. A lot of kids, a lot of community, a lot of fellowship. It It was good to be there. I go back from time to time. I'm pulled back there, I guess, and just drive down that street, Curry Place. And it's not the place I grew up in. It's run down, houses abandoned. Sometimes the Jesus is right, you can't go home again because it's not the home you know. Why do you go home then? Mark doesn't really say why Jesus went home. He just says he went to his hometown. But we can imagine why, can't we? Because he is like us, he goes home, well, because it's home. He goes for comfort. He goes for identity's sake. He goes because maybe he thinks that Robert Frost is right and that no matter what he has done in the meantime, they will take you in. Maybe Jesus is riding on a bit of a high uh, after his recent successes in ministry. He's, the previous chapters have him doing a lot of miracles and great works, and now he's going home to let them see how the local boy has made good. Or maybe, like us, sometimes we go home to try to heal what has been broken. There are a lot of reasons that we go home, but he did. And he went home with new members of his family, the disciples. And it it was a warm welcome initially. Jesus, look who's in town. It's Jesus. You've really become something. We've heard about all your great deeds on the road. You've made a name for yourself. You're doing good works. But then somebody, we don't know who, maybe somebody that had a beef with the carpenter shop. We don't, it could have been a lot of things, but all of a sudden doubt began to creep in and they began to ask questions of faith. Where did he get this? What authority does he have? Isn't this Joe's boy? How can, how can this be? Something's wrong, they began to say, and doubt and suspicion. 
In Luke's version of this story, Jesus announces his mission and the people were so filled with anger they actually ran Jesus out of town. Jesus went home because, but it was not the place it used to be. And the scripture says he could do no deed of power except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he, Jesus, was amazed at their unbelief, their lack of faith. And that made a difference. So what happens? What do you do when you leave home or home has left you? Well, you make a new one. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went out among the villages teaching. Like Aslan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Jesus is on the move. Aslan is on the move. He does not stay. And he calls the twelve to go with him, and he sends them out two by two. You're on the move, he said. Go. Passengers arriving at Tambo International Airport in Johannesburg, South Africa, are greeted with a huge mural that says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I want you to look around you for just a moment and tell me what you see. I'm going to tell you what you see. You see traveling companions. Just like Jesus, he sent them out with companionship. And if Jesus had promised a quick fix to the brokenness of this world, we could, we could make the journey alone. We'd just do it in our own little small quarters. But because it's a long road, Jesus sends us out together. We go forward. We go together. We create home. Uh, I've discovered this on a couple of trips in some motels and office buildings and more. There's a feature a new feature that's due to technology or able to be done by technology. It's designed to save energy and when you are not moving around in the room or there's nobody there, the air conditioning shuts down, the lights go out. Maybe there's a spiritual directive for us, the church. If you're not moving, the lights go out. If you're not moving forward, you lose the life of Christ. If you're not engaged, if you're not in community, if you're not following and sharing the good news. As traveling companions, you lose, maybe you lose home. He said, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Uh, I'm not sure I can really explain that. Um, When you go somewhere, stay until you leave. Well, that, I think maybe the message there is that uh, we shouldn't get stuck in one place. We shouldn't hold on to the path so much that we can't see God's vision and live it. We don't march to Zion alone, you and I. And the good news is we don't have to. We go out with one another to do what Jesus would be doing if he were physically present with us. To make a home for all. He sent them out to create community as he sends us out, to care for those that we meet, to create and recreate abundant life that he promised, to make a home. 
It seems to me that Jesus' starting point in ministry, and I may get in trouble for this, but it seems to me that his starting point in ministry is not so much in winning souls. He seems more interesting as a starting point in building relationships so that souls can be won. His work is done in the presence of people, if I may say this, of the people, for the people, by the people, mutual love, respect, traveling together. And so you see, this passage can remind us that home is not so much a place as it is a relationship. It is a welcome. It is more than a homeland. It is a home. And I think Robert Frost was right. They will take you in at this home. Because this home is what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. A commitment to love one another with the same kind of love that God and Jesus pour out on you and me. In other words, he is pointing us towards the real home. Jesus is on the move here and now. I guess I'm in a sort of a unique situation. I've been gone a long time, and uh, as one of the pastors uh, serving here now, uh, I, I have a unique view of, of this home, this family. And I will tell you, it is not the home, the church home, the family home that I grew up in. But you see, that is good because God is always at work. God never changes, but he moves us to new places, to new heights, to new glory, to new service. Jesus is on the move. The Washington National Cathedral, back, back to our nation's capital. It stands on the highest point of land in the District of Columbia. And above the high altar is a massive carving. It's called Christ in Majesty. The risen Christ in that carving holds the globe of the world in his hand. And on this day when we celebrate the ideals that gave birth to our beloved nation, the cathedral, the Christ, points to a reign that is above every nation. The whole world is held in God's grace and judgment. And so to me, it seems on this very special day when the fourth falls on a Sunday, what we really celebrate as a people, what we can celebrate as a people is not so much a historical event nor the glories that we see as a richly blessed nation. Instead, it is an ideal, a vision of what we can be, a call to be what God wants us to be. More justice for all, more equality, more liberty, more hospitality for all. On this day, we confess who we are, but we celebrate who we might be as God's people. We hold, if I may say it this way, we hold God's truths to be self-evident. A country, a world that feels like home, which means all people, other people, by the people, for the people, to share in God's way, to be home and to go home. In a few moments, we're going to sing We're Marching to Zion. It's the last hymn in our United Methodist hymnal. I think that's a good place for it because, because when we have 
said or sung everything we have to say or sing, there is still more ahead of us. We are always on the way toward fulfilling God's purpose. And that is captured in this vision of Mount Zion, God's kingdom, God's home. I am, I'm new back here. It's been a while. But I want to tell you that it feels like home. I can feel it. I can sense God's glorious presence, God's spirit in this place. Christ is on the move. He left his hometown and, and moved forward. And so he says, get up, shake off the dust, move, because God has more for you and me. It is a good time in the life of this church, this family, this home. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry, marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high. Not just Independence Day, but Interdependence Day, God's Day, Family Day. Look around you again. What do you see? Welcome home. Welcome home. Amen. Oh,